Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be an insane episode. Now, this week we're joined by Bradley, and I'm incredibly excited about this episode because Bradley is the founder of a technology platform that distributes online learning content. And he started this business, you know, in 2000 during the dot-com crash. So for many of us that are wondering what the fuck is going on right now and are really, you know, finding it difficult to navigate, or you could be excelling to navigate through what's happening right now. I think there's a lot of mixed feelings. To listen to someone like Brad, who completely embraces getting up every single day with a growth mindset, I'm really excited to share his story with you. And he talks about sort of what he does to build a mindset of success, what he does every single day to drive the results that he requires in his business and in his life. But before we get into this incredible episode, please continue to like, share, rate, wherever you listen to podcasts. Continue to engage with me on LinkedIn. I'm loving it. You know, I say this every single week. I love hearing, you know, your feedback about the impact we are having on you in your selling career. So before we get into it, we have a message from our sponsors, Vanilla Sauce. So guys, for all of you out there, for most sales professionals, we are all using a CRM. You know, CRM was designed for managing relationships. However, sales engagement is designed for starting them. Now, current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform like no other. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. So guys, if you're using another sales engagement platform, stop right now and head over to VanillaSoft.com. Get yourself a free trial because it will help you close more deals. It will help you have more conversations so you can get more opportunities in your pipeline and close more deals. So thank you to the team at Vanilla Soft for bringing you this podcast on how to close more deals. So guys, enjoy this episode and have a great week. So welcome to the show, Brad. Man, thanks for having me. Mate, we're pumped. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to, to be able to talk to you today about all things sales, prospecting, growth, uh, business, especially um, during a time that many are finding it quite challenging. So, you know, really excited to, to be able to talk to you today. Well, I appreciate being here. I freaking always wanted a reason to come down to Australia and you might have to give me one. I didn't realize that there was an Australian in the whole entire world named Luigi, though. <laughs> yeah, well, my you know, my parents... You don't want to know my full name because at, uh, growing up at school, I was called Luigi Vincenzo Alphabet. So uh, it's something that I always got. Or, you know, where's your brother Mario? So it was really good fun when I did a, did a show with a, a guy from uh, San Francisco called Mario, and it was a Mario and Luigi show. So 
But mate, we have to get you down. You've got a lot of followers. Um, you know, you've, you 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 push out an incredible message. I love your content, so I'm really honoured to be able to spend a bit of time with you today. Um, Thank you. And I think you know, before we get into this show, and and, and want to talk today about mindset and growth, and I think they're the two key things that sellers right now should be focused more than ever before and getting the fundamentals right. But before we get into that, we'd love to hear a bit more about you and how you started in the world of sales. Well, I mean, in the world of sales, uh, I started technically, you know, when I was six years old. I, I was in first grade. They gave me a box of candy bars, told me to go home and sell them to my grandma and my dad and, you know, my family. And I wanted to sell a few more because my parents didn't really buy any. My family didn't really buy a, but, but a few. So I started knocking on doors at six years old, uh, you know, selling these world's finest chocolate candy bars. <laughs> And it's a funny story because after about three or four houses, you know, I was selling one and selling one and I just inherently, I don't know how I did it. Nobody told me to do it. Matter of fact, I got in trouble the first day for even leaving and knocking on doors, but I knocked on doors and after a few houses, I developed a pitch at six years old. And ultimately I put the candy bars behind my back and I knocked on the door. And when they answered the door, I said, listen, do you know the phone number to a good roof repairman? And they'd say, what? And I'd say, do you know the phone number to a good roof repairman? Because when you taste one of these, you're going to go through the roof. <laughs> and people started literally buying boxes at a time. I sold so many candy bars. I set the school record. I literally had to be given all the candy bars the other kids couldn't sell. Um, and I went and sold those. So it was, it was six years old, I think, when my first quote unquote sales job is. But I believe we, we start selling this, the second we pop out. Yeah. You know, yeah. you start selling on, I'm hungry, you start selling. I mean, everybody's a salesperson, whether they believe it or not. And we start selling the day we are born. Absolutely. I often say that, you know, I, I often say my kids, you know, growing up, they're always, they're always trying to sell me on something, on why they need to buy X or why they need to do X, you know. Um, right. and, and I believe everybody lives by selling. So thanks for sharing that with us. And I want to fast forward. So, you know, and I think one of the things that I love about what you're what you're talking about right now is the market has slowed we could call it you know a real downturn in the market it's something that i've never lived through um now you started your company during a crash the dot-com crash can you yep. share with us what motivated you to start a, a technology business when many were retracting and pulling back and going under you know maybe a bit of naivety or naive, um, being naive, how it happened is I was, you know, I started to go back just a little bit more at about 17 years old. I was always told to get a job, a real job. And so basically I went and got a job with the forestry service and thought I was going to be fighting forest fires in the, in the Northwest of United States. And it sounded cool. And I, you know, pictured myself, you know, with a flannel shirt and, the, you know, my hair blowing in the wind and looking like this kick-ass Paul Bunyan looking firefighter. But in reality, I showed up the first day and they gave me this big old backpack filled with water and they told me to squirt on the stumps that were still smoldering. And so literally I had a day and a half of unbelievably hard labor work. And I got a little poison oak on my arm. I walked in and I said, look, I'm not going to be able to work. I got a little poison oak right here. And the supervisor ripped off his shirt and basically said, it's part of the job. And his whole entire body was covered in poison oak. And poison oak's like this, you know, rash yeah. with, with bumps and, you know, it's terrible. 
So right there on the spot, I learned I don't like hard work. I don't like manual labor. Like I'm not going to work hard. This is nonsense. I was walking up and down hills. There were sticks poking me in the eye. There was ash in the air and I wasn't cool. I was called the piss bag operator. You know, they, they, they called this thing the piss bag. So I wasn't even a firefighter. I was, I was like a dipshit low on the totem pole piss bag operator. So ultimately I quit. And so I opened up the newspaper and saw an ad for selling cars. So I went in and applied for the ad for selling cars and, you know, got to wear a suit and they told me to pick out a car and like customers were coming in. All I had to do was test drive them and write it up. And it was unbelievable. And I made a lot of money in my first month. And I thought to myself, man, this sales is where it's at. So I started selling cars at an early age. I was a little bit young to get the job, but I lied and said I was 18 when I wasn't. But anyway, at the end of the day, I did real well. And so I stuck with sales from that point forward because you got to wear suits and, you know, work basically with your mind and your mouth. Um, you know, the better you could talk, the better you could, you know, make friends, the better it was. So that's really where I started in sales is selling cars about 17. And then, you know, I sold artwork and I sold RVs and, you know, I bounced around like, like any jack off would. And ultimately I became very good at sales. I, you know, went to a lot of different, uh, training and read books and what have you, and got trained by some pretty good people too. Um, and obviously the car business is amazing boot camp. So yeah. I learned a lot and I became very good. And then I started running sales teams. So at 30 years old, when I actually started Lightspeed VT, which is what I'm pretty much known for now, um, I was 30 years old and there was a kid in the back working minimum wage, but he was a really cool dude. Uh, you know, we got along great. We'd always shoot the shit while we we're at work. And, um, he was the hardest working person back there. And it was like, it's crazy because people say, all you need to do is hard work. You know, I noticed that people that do the hardest work are the brokest. Mm. Like sales isn't hard work. You know, I, to me, hard work, you're going to get blisters. Well, you don't get blisters selling anything. Yeah. Oh, so, so I took this kid out of the back and I said, listen, I'm going to teach you how to sell and close because I had taught people how to sell and close and I teach sales managers and, you know, I produce a lot of high powered people. Um, throughout my career and in particular with this company. So within two or three months, this kid went from minimum wage to making 10, 15 grand a month, his whole life changed. And I got hooked helping people. I'm like, man, that, that was cool that I can do this. So I said, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go out on the road and I'm going to start training people. So my first effort was actually sales training, sales and closing and, and, and sales management training for other companies. They would pay me 10,000 to show up and train them. So I showed up and I started doing it and ultimately it wasn't working very well. I couldn't figure out why when I worked at this company, I could produce badasses left and right. Yeah. But now I couldn't, I couldn't get anybody to freaking improve and it, and it was bothering me. So I figured I need to figure out what, and by the way, this is in 99, 2000. This is the dot-com crash. Yeah. I'm out there training live. I wasn't on the internet. Man, the, the internet just came out. Um, but the big dot-com bubble burst and, and everybody was losing their money in the dot-coms, but I wasn't in it. So I was just out on the road spending, you know, living out of a suitcase, trying to train people and I couldn't get it done right. And I figured out four key ingredients that are necessary if you truly and effectively want to train somebody. Now, when I worked at the company, I had inadvertently applied all these things without even knowing I was doing yeah. it. But, but when I went out on the road, I stopped doing it and I didn't, I wasn't aware that I had to. So I did a little research and found those four key ingredients, which are number one, you have to have good content, yep. repetition, practice, 
and accountability. See, when I was teaching people, they were paying me 10,000 to show up for the day, but I didn't give much repetition because I was gone after mm -hmm. a day. I couldn't hold them accountable. They didn't work for me. I didn't practice over and over with them. So all I was given was good content and it didn't work or it wasn't very effective. And so I figured, man, I've got to figure out a way to where I can be more places than once. I can deliver the training with repetition. I can test them. I can practice. I can role play. And uh, I need to do all of that without actually being at the mm -hmm. dealership or at the company. And the only solution was the internet. So I, I invented Lightspeed originally for myself to train online uh, before anyone was training on anything. And so I developed, I found people and, and, and had Lightspeed developed at least, you know, the first phase of it to deliver and track and measure my content. And it worked so well that uh, I started to show other trainers like Grant Cardone and Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and John Maxwell and all these different subject matter experts, my technology, because I knew they were having the same trouble as I was. Yeah. And they all started licensing it. And then the company started licensing it. And pretty soon, you know, I'm a multi-million dollar company you know, doing business with some of the biggest names and brands on earth. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. So I didn't intentionally start it in the dot-com. I just did. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really aware that there was a bubble crash because I wasn't on the internet when it crashed. Yeah. But right, right during the crash, you know, it was right, it was right when I started it. Now that's such an awesome story. And I think, you know, that's, I was doing some research um, a couple of weeks back on companies that started during times, you know, during downturns. And you can go back all the way back in the 1800s during the depression, Great Depression, when General Electric started. So there's a number of businesses that formed to be what they are today as a result of, you know, um, trying to grow during during a downturn. And, and, and you know, some sure. would call them naive. Um, and I also love what you spoke about, the application component. For me, I've been involved in training for, you know, over 15 years and I always say one thing, you know, training with that application is simple entertainment. And the space repetition and the application component are probably the two most important aspects of it. Um, and I've got programs here from good old Paul J. Meyer from Success Motivation International. And, and they're the same thing, right? Space repetition, space repetition. So fast forward a bit. So you've, you've, you've you know, some of the names that you speak about, you know, Zig and um, Tom Hopkins, um, you know, some of the, the, you know, the legends of the professional development industry. If we fast forward a few years, um, you've built Lightspeed, you know, when you developed Lightspeed, you were kind of light years ahead because not many LMSs were out there. There were not many platforms out there to deliver online training. But fast forward, it's now 2020. Um, we are living in an incredibly uncertain time. And you probably see some of the dialogue on LinkedIn. Some people are saying stop prospecting and um, it's not the right time to sell. And there's a lot of doom and gloom. We'd love to get some advice from you on what sellers can do to grow during a downturn? Well, number one, stop listening to dumbasses that are telling <laughs> you that it's not the time to sell. It's, it's, listen, people are still buying. Yep. Okay. People are, this is the time to sell. Okay. It, it's the exact opposite of what, of what, if I, I mean, I haven't read that personally. I've never, I, I would have loved to a comment on someone said, this isn't the time to sell. I mean, at the end of the day, why wouldn't it be time to sell? Right now, people need more things than ever. We're sheltered at home worldwide. There's no better time than right now to plug into people. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. You could be any city in the country, in the world, any city in the world, and not be able to reach as many people as you can right now through the internet. So, 
So, you know, this doom and gloom mentality is a perspective. Yep. You know, pers- personally, people are buying. They're, they're buying just as much as they were. They're just not buying from you. You know why? Because you're sitting at home with the doom and gloom. You're sitting there at home thinking nobody's buying because it's, it's this crisis. Dude, people are buying. People are buying from us left and right. I'm buying things left and right. Are you buying anything? Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's still yeah. buying things. Like who's saying this? These are these doom and gloom limited self-saboteurs or they're not salespeople. They don't make their money on commission. It's the same people that don't like salespeople mm. and they don't realize that you're a salesperson. Everyone's a salesperson. The only difference between a good one and a bad one is the good ones know that they're salespeople. The bad ones don't understand that they're salespeople. Yeah. You know, I, I, t- I talk to chiropractors a lot and they don't even realize they're salespeople. No, I'm a doctor. Uh, bro, you're a salesperson. Okay. <laughs> Dentists are salespeople. Surgeons yep. are salespeople. Everyone is a salesperson. The question is, is are you good at it? Yeah. So I love what you're saying. It's a perspective, you know, absolute perspective. Um, and, uh, I want, I want to go back a step. So if, if you're listening or watching this particular episode and you're sitting there and you've gone, holy shit, the last, you know, four weeks I've been sitting on my hands, worried about what's happening in the world and I actually haven't been out there prospecting and doing what I need to do to be a great seller. What are yep. some of the what are some of the things that people can do to jolt their mindset to turn from a negative to a positive? Well, number 1, you know, I like to call it the million dollar morning. So, if I gave someone a million dollars, they'd be elated. They'd probably be pumped for the whole month, maybe even the whole year depending on their income and lifestyle. But if I gave you a million dollars cash right now, would you be fired up? Pretty much. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fired up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone would be fired <laughs> up. Be They'd fired be excited. Up. You know? so, so, so you got to think about this. Waking up in the morning is more valuable than a million dollars. And I can prove it because if I said, I'll give you a million dollars, but you're done. When you wake up, you'll have no more, you know, you, you're done if I give you a million dollars. Nobody would want the million dollars to, to trade it for their life. Absolutely so that means yet. when you open your eyes, when you open your eyes in the morning, you must realize that you just received a gift more valuable than a million dollars. Yeah. So, so nobody realizes that. But if you really put that into perspective, you wouldn't take a million dollars to not wake up, which means waking up is worth more to you than a million dollars. So every morning you're receiving something worth more than a million dollars. So how can you be pissed off? How can you be grumpy? How can you think, oh, I got to go to work and I got to prospect and man, all these problems. No, you get to go to work. You get to prospect. And when it boils down to it, dude, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. Bottom line. Yeah. And right now you can shake more hands virtually than you can physically anyway. Yeah. So there's no better time on earth to be in sales than right now. So how do you fix your mindset? Ultimately, you wake up realizing that you're very lucky that you got to wake up, period. Yeah. And that puts your mind in the right perspective. And now you're now, now everything seems like an opportunity. And you get up with a different mindset altogether because you're grateful. The gratitude is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I like to focus focus. Uh, on four things in the morning, my health, my mind, my relationships, and my money. So what I do is I spend a minimum, doesn't matter how busy I am, a minimum of 15 minutes, usually you know an hour, but 15 minutes on my health and I make sure I eat at least one healthy meal. Then I spend 15 minutes minimum on my mind by reading a non-fiction self-help book, whether it be sales or leadership or whatever, every single morning. Then I go to my relationships where I send out five text messages and just give a kind message to five people that I want to build a relationship with because I believe 
relationships to the new economy. The, every seven-figure deal I've ever done, I've traced it back to a relationship that I had. So relationships are invaluable. So, so for 15 minutes every morning, I'll send five messages to somebody and just start building those relationships, building those relationships. And then I'll pick five things that I must do today to drive revenue because revenue is extremely important. Now, a lot of people will be like, well, money doesn't buy happiness. And I'm like, well, number one, if you think that, you just don't know where to shop. I can <laughs> prove money does buy happiness. Um, and, and, it can, and it can buy happiness and a lot more than that. It can buy impact. It can buy um, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. But going back to relationships, a lot of times people feel like if you're leveraging these relationships, you're using people. Yeah. But that's because you don't value yourself. You don't value what you bring to the relationship. So what I try to do with people in the relationship category is I make sure that the first relationship that they build is the one with themselves. And most people have a big problem and they don't realize it because it's in the subconscious, but they don't like themselves. Mm. So they find themselves making bad choices, bad decisions and rationalizing why they don't want to prospect and why it's rude to call somebody at five o'clock at night when they could be interrupted, you know, for dinner. And, you know, they anticipate all this negativity right now. You know, it's COVID. Nobody's buying. That's total bullshit. Yeah. People are buying. People are buying just as much as they used to, believe it or not. Now, restaurants are closed. How do you say that? Restaurants are, can't sell food. Listen, you're a waiter, not a salesperson. Okay, even though a waiter is a salesperson. Mm. My point is, is I'm talking to the sales industry right here. Right now, people are buying. They're buying computers. They're buying internet. They're yeah. buying uh, subscriptions. They're buying ring lights. They're buying cameras to, to, you know, webcams. They're buying microphones. You know, they're just not buying from you because guess what? You're sitting on your ass complaining about nobody's buying instead of changing your perspective and realizing everybody's buying and it's a, an amazing time to start selling. Yeah, Matt. And again, I, everything you're saying, I'm loving because it's the abundance mindset, right? It's the mindset of, right. you know, I'm not going to let something control my destiny. I'm going to do what it takes so that I can achieve what I need to achieve um, to right. get the job I, done, you know? And, um, and I've been, you know, I've been prospecting, I've been cold calling, I've been loving it. Um, people are answering the phone more than ever before. <laughs> it's been yeah. awesome. You know, people are actually wanting to talk, I think, because they're stuck at home. Um, you know, they want that social engagement. Um, you want to ask you, like, and I, look, I, I think I'm one that can self-motivate myself, right? Um, you know, yeah. get up early, um, like you. I'm, I'm a big fitness fan. Get up in the morning. I do my F45. There's one in Nevada, so if you ever get a chance, you've got to get down there, Brad. Um, but it's an awesome... Uh, to start my day in a positive from, from a positive perspective but if you are working from home now because there are some people that have never really worked like this and they are struggling to maintain that level of motivation and keep themselves yeah. accountable again what are what are some of the things that you've done over the years that have continued to, to drive you when you've kind of gone you know when you're slowing down that pace because as we know sales is all about momentum it's all about maintaining a certain pace and, and uh, energy and, in, and intensity. So what are some of the things that you do to drive that sort of level of performance? Well, again, mainly when I wake up, I'm grateful to be alive and everything becomes an opportunity. So I'm excited to do yeah. things and no enthusiasm sells. But short of that, obviously, I, you know, I, I go throughout the day and get bad news and beat down and rejection and all that nonsense. But at the end of the day, it's really just a decision. You know, it's a responsibility to yourself. And that's what yeah. I mean. Like a lot of times people, people aren't really making the right decisions and they're not doing the right things because deep down they don't like themselves. Yeah. So 
ultimately, I always go to the source. I don't try to solve the symptom. I try to solve the, mm. the issue. The issue in, in a lot of these cases when, they're, when they can't find the motivation is because their goals aren't big enough. Like, for example, you know, uh, you know, their, their why, let's call it their why. They, they, the reason they're, they're, they're doing what they're doing is not defined clearly or they're not attaching it to enough emotion. So, like, for example – if you couldn't feed your child, I'm sure you wouldn't be sitting there playing an Xbox. <laughs> you know, they, they get in this comfort zone. They get in this, this level where they're comfortable and they don't break out of it because it's uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. And what most people don't understand is if you really want to see comfort, riches, success, if you really want comfort, okay, riches, success, then you have to, you have to literally seek to be uncomfortable. You have to seek discomfort to find comfort. And ironically, if you seek comfort, you'll, you'll, you'll find discomfort. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like a mirrored effect. So how I stay motivated is I realize the very simplicity of what I just said, which is I know that I need to be uncomfortable. It's comfortable watching Netflix till 10. Then I'll get on the phone rationalizing why I shouldn't be, be on the phone prospecting or in a Facebook group networking or, or working per se. Um, and, and you start to rationalize because ultimately your why is not big enough. Your, your, your reason for doing it is not big enough. Okay. Well, I love what you're saying. I've got, you know, Zig's goals book behind me and, um, I constantly refer back to to my goals and think about you know are they challenging me enough and um, so I love that response, you know you know Brett I, I can feel you know your your positivity your the the way that you think and um, the abundance mindset it's oozing out of you right so I mean have you always had this type of mindset or you know did you face times where things were tough and and you you know you were challenged by what was in front of you? Well, I mean. I've had a lot of tough times. However, I don't, I didn't really think that they were tough at yeah. the time. And, and in retrospect, people would say that they're tough, but they weren't really tough. Like one time someone said, you know, what would you do when you hit rock bottom in an interview? And I said, well, I've never really hit rock bottom. And they said, well, didn't you say that you were homeless on the beach, sleeping on the beach in California? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you wouldn't consider that rock bottom. And I'm like, dude, it was a beach. <laughs> Like, I mean, I mean, come on, dude, it was a beach and it, and, it, and it wasn't like I couldn't go home, you know, to my parents' house. It wasn't like I couldn't find some place. I chose to be independent. I chose not to run home with my tail between my legs. So I, so I had no other place to go since my choice was I'm going to make this happen. So I had to sleep on the beach for a few nights, maybe a few weeks, but so what? It was the beach folks. Yeah. Like, dude, the way we're crashing in, you know, it was, it was, it was actually quite nice. But at the end of the day, everyone wants to, you know, visualize homeless as being rock bottom. I wouldn't say homeless is rock bottom. I would say freaking prison is rock bottom. Hmm. You know, if you're sitting in prison where you're being told what to do and when to eat and you could be assaulted and you, like, dude, prison, I would say is rock bottom. And that's not even necessarily rock bottom, but that's way more rock bottom than sleeping on a damn beach in freaking California. Again, you know, it's a perspective, it's a mindset, right? So, and it is, it is, it's a choice. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, you know, another book that I love is Who Moved My Cheese? You know what I mean? So it's a very simple, very simple concept, but it's all about choice and mindset. Mate, so, you know, in your business, you've, you've, you've achieved incredible, incredible success um, and, and, you know, you're continuing to, to achieve success. Are there any particular strategies that you've used um, that saw your business sort of elevate to another level when you were going through moments of growth? Just mainly having the ability to sell, close, and persuade people, build yep. relationships, okay. you know, connect. Um, you know, a lot of times, because I have a lot of the big names, Jordan Belfort, Grant Cardone, you know, uh, there's people you haven't heard of that are, that are equally as good as a, a lot of the people that you've heard of. They're just not as good as marketers. Yeah. But a lot of them always say, well, who's better, Brad? You know, because they know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trainer as well. Yep. And I always, say, I always say, well, they're the ones that send me checks. So, so what's that tell <laughs> There it is. There's the bell. We need the gong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, clo I close them. So people say, I'm the dude that closes the dude that teaches you to close. <laughs> That's good. But, but in reality, I think, you know, again, to me, there's a lot of great salespeople out there. There's a lot of great closers out there. At the end of the day, I mean, it's who you vibe with, who you resonate with. Mm. You know, I might drop a cuss word here and there. I'm not, I'm not corporate. You know, but then I know these other sales trainers that are very corporate and yep. some people resonate with corporate and some people resonate with laid back. So I think, you know, you can get good information from a lot of people. And quite frankly, if you study a lot of them like I have and, and you have, you'll realize there's, there's, a, there's a line of, of, mm. of similarity in a lot of them. Why? Well, because it's almost like religion to me. You know, there's, there's truth in Buddhism. There's truth in Christianity. There's truth in, in Judaism. There's truth in freaking Muslim, uh, uh, the Muslim faith. What's that one? There, there's a word for it. But anyway, depending on re what religion you're, you're into, believe it or not, there is a, there is a, a truth that, that runs through all of them. And, and I think the rest of it is perception. And, yeah. and, and, you know, how you were raised and who taught you and what you just determined to believe. And at the end of the day, man, you get to choose what you believe. The problem is, is most people are taught something and they don't question it and they don't try to, you know, seek out whether it's right or wrong. They just accept it. And that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, there's people that say, oh, I could never be a salesperson. Oh, I hate salespeople. The, what they're trying to say to you is they don't like being in uncomfortable situations where I have to put people under pressure mm. or be some slimy guy that's only out for your money. See, like when people think like this about salespeople and sales profession, they've learned something or believed something mm. that they know to be true, even though it may not be true. Like you don't have to be a liar to be a good salesperson. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I would, I would say that that makes someone a bad salesperson. Yeah. It, Hey, the, the, the person that says, I don't like um, salespeople or I, I would never make a good salesperson. The reason they're saying that is because they, they have some sort of mental image of pain when it mm -hmm. comes to talking, um, being gregarious, asking people for money, um, what they consider maybe putting pressure on people. You know, because I ask some people, why wouldn't you want to be salespeople? Oh, I could never put pressure on people. Why would you? Why would you equate sales to putting pressure. pressure on yeah, people? Absolutely, and I, you know, what you're talking about is is so true. You know, because I think the there are a lot of the industry itself has created sometimes because of some bad practices that people have, um, you know, exhibited. It can create a bit of a 
bit of a stereotypical stigma. But I always say yeah. that's a di- there's a difference between a salesperson and a sales professional. A sales professional, we're helping. You know, that's what I say. I, I'm if I know I can help you. You know, that, that's one of the things that I'm thinking right now. I mean, when I when I talk about sales training, I know that companies now need it. I'm compelled to talk to you because I know I can help you and your sales team achieve something better. So you know, it's it's there's a reason I'm driven to want to talk to you. I'm not pressuring you. I'm not pushing you. I'm simply helping you achieve something better. And that's what I that's what I love about selling is that. We're helping people. You know, the true element of selling is about helping. But look, you know, when I listened to watch, I was watching Victor Antonio on Lightspeed the other day because I, I he's, a, he's, a, he's another freaking good one. Victor Antonio one of the best. is awesome. You know, he's probably one of the most underrated guys globally, right? I love his content. And you know what? Yeah, it, just some of the things that he says conti- continues to drive the message of it's about helping, right? Um, right? We're helping people. That's the profession. You know, if you have to lie, if you have to cheat, um, if you have to coerce and manipulate somebody to do something they don't want to do, then you know what? You're not a sales professional. You're just a bad person, right? That's in my yeah, eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, that makes you a thug, <laughs> doesn't it? It's not a sales professional, you know what I mean? So I love what you're saying. Mate, I, I, uh, I want to ask, one of the things that I ask all my guests is, you know, obviously you've had access to some incredible people, incredible content, but is there somebody that stood out for you and has been, you know, one a key influence for you in your career and why? You know, I think I, I tend to learn from everybody. I learned from my kids. I learned from my friends. I learned from my, you know, uh, coworkers. I, I tend to learn from everybody. I believe that everyone you meet knows something you don't. And I love to seek new information. So ultimately I learn from everybody. And I think, you know, everyone should, but when it comes down to like, you know, who was your mentor and, you know, I realistically, I, I don't think I was smart enough growing up to, to seek, hmm. uh, uh, good information. I was like kind of, kind of, uh, hard headed to where I'm writing a book right now. It's called the hard way. It's lessons I learned the hard way. So you don't yeah. have to. So I just, I didn't, I, I wasn't smart enough to, to seek knowledge and information. Now I, I get it from everybody. Grant Cardone, uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Damon John. Yeah. Um, I got it from Zig Ziglar. I had a long conversation with him several times before he passed. Um, Victor Antonio, mm. I, Anthony Annarino, yeah. Um, yeah. Jeremy Miner, um, Jerry Acuff, this, this lady named Janine Driver, who's a body language expert for the FBI. I mean, I get knowledge delivered directly into the brain on a regular basis. Yeah. So, so right now, like everyone's my mentor. All my clients are my mentors and my coaches. Yeah. But again, that's a, that's a choice that you decided to make. You were one that was like, I want to learn. So give me more information so that it can help me be, you know, help me be the best I can be. Right. So you've made a choice 100%. to want to learn, you know, and that's one of the it things is. that I find, I, I'm not sure if you've, you've found this in your career, but sometimes when you, when you train salespeople and I like what Jeffrey Gittemore says, they're the, sometimes they're the smartest people in the room. They know everything. Everything that you tell them about, you know, prospecting or closing tips or whatever it might be, they're already doing it, yet they're not meeting quota, right? And that's why, again, it's a choice. It's a choice that, I, and that's why I love doing, one of the reasons why I started my podcast and the people that you named, a lot of them have been on my show, was because having an hour like this to talk about sales and certain techniques, it's the best learning in the world. And I've applied many of the techniques that the guests that I've spoken to in the real world to sell. 
and test some of these techniques. So this has been, it's, it's really awesome to continue to hear. And one of the things that I'm taking away from this, Brad, is that it's, it's, it's a mindset. It's all down to choice. It's how we choose to look at a certain situation. Um, mate, before we uh, sort of wrap up, I, I, again, I asked one of the, the question, is sales an art or a science in your opinion? I would believe it's 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 both. Yep. You can be, <clears throat> you can apply the science artfully. In other words, it's it, like is mixed martial arts an art or a science? Wow. And by the way, yeah. it's mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts, yeah. Yeah. So so it is also a science. Yeah. Okay, because there's specific moves and whatnot. So I believe it's both. It's a blend of both. I believe that, you know, you can get really, really good at something. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you're, if you're a male or a female, I, I think anyone on earth with any, you know, uh, disability, it doesn't matter, has the ability to practice, drill and rehearse the fundamental techniques and principles of sales, closing and persuasion and make themselves an unbelievable living. So I, I, I would have to say it's both, but see, again, I mean, a lot of people, they're not they're not able to do these things because it, it deep down they don't they don't really like themselves and yeah. the reason they don't is because they've been procrastinating their whole life they've been letting themselves down letting others down so i show people how to fix that now i'll i'll tell your listeners real quick how to fix it so if you if you can't break through a ceiling or you're in sales but you can't ever really make more than you've than than you know you want to like mm. people sales people are always wanting to make more but they never seem to break through the ceiling i always say you got to look inward so, so number one, you got to apologize and forgive yourself. Now that sounds weird, but listen, if you want to, uh, you know, repair a relationship with somebody, you apologize and you ask them for forgiveness and hopefully they do. And you start with a clean slate and you don't repeat the same offenses. So at the end of the day, you ask yourself for forgiveness. That's step one. Once you forgive yourself, then you make a commitment to always do what you say you're going to do. That's step two. I mean, you're the one that gets to choose what you do and what you don't do. So if you commit to do it, then do it. Or just don't commit. It's yeah. You commit, do what the hell you say you're going to do. Number three, this is a weird one. Most people will never be taught this. Go make 10 small goals a day that are easily attainable. Small goals, because again, our, our, our subconscious, which is below awareness, it's a recorder. And when you say, I'm going to make a million dollars this month and you make 600,000, even though that was a hell of a month, guess what? You lost, yeah. you failed. And, and we're taught to make these big goals. So we reach higher and reach higher when in reality, what it does is it records that we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. And then pretty soon, think about it. If you were watching somebody, man, that, that, that some bitch never does what he says. That some bitch <laughs> never hits their goal. They're always losing. They're losers. They're just losers. So that's what happens to some of us. So, so how you repair that is you set small goals every day, 10 of them, and every day you make sure that you do them. And next thing you know, your subconscious starts to realize winner, 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 mm. winner. And next thing you know, you're, you start to actually believe you're a winner and you're, and you're worth winning because you know you win and it's, you don't know how you know. It's, now your confidence starts to get better. Then what happens is all the shit talkers start popping out. Yep. So you start to block out the negativity and the people that are talking crap. And, and believe me, that's very, very effective. And, and you'll, you'll hear them, you know, oh, you're too school, too cool for school now, Luigi. Oh, you're not, oh, you're, too, oh, you're so big now. You don't want to hang out with us. So they're easy to identify. You get rid of the negativity. And then yep. every day you constantly learn more because in order to get more, you have to do more. 
See, if you want to double your paycheck, double your work. Mm. Okay. So like, let's say, you know, let's say I'm a salesman and I'm making an average of $10,000 a month. I say, well, how many people do you average talk, talk to on average? They say, oh, you know, uh, in, in a given month, I usually talk to about 50 people. Okay. And you make $10,000 on average. They say, yeah. And you talk to 50 people on average. They say, yeah. Okay. Talk to a hundred people. Mm. That's doing more. Talk to a hundred people. And I will bet you that you will make more money. So people are like, how do I make more? Do more. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Don't complicate it. And then once you do more, now you need to get better because eventually you'll do as much as you possibly can. Well, then guess what? How do you make more now? We'll get better at what yeah. you're doing. So when you're talking to those hundred, you're actually closing more of them because you're better. Mm. And then the step three would be scale. You know, do things that make sense. Like I know salespeople that prospect a couple days a week because they think they have to. Dude, when I used to work in sales, I would literally hire somebody to do my prospecting for me. So all I had was clean appointments ready to close. So people would say, well, how come you're making so much money and how come you're outperforming all the rest of these people? I don't prospect. Well, what do you mean you don't prospect? I hired someone for 1500 bucks to do my prospecting. So all they did is lined me up appointments yep. to close. And everyone's like, oh, that's cheating. See what I mean? Like, dude, they're limited thinking. Yeah. So you have to scale what you're doing. Do more, get better and scale. If you just do those things, I guarantee you're going to have a much better life. But to correct and, and repair your, your relationship and your self-confidence and your self-worth and your self-esteem so you're able to make good mm. decisions and you're able to start breaking through those ceilings, forgive yourself, commit to doing what you say you're going to do, set 10 small goals a day that you do. So it just starts, you just start winning, get rid of all negativity, all of it. Yep. And then every day seek new information because if somebody needs to change what they're getting, they have to change what they're doing. And in order to change what you're doing, you have to change what you believe because people behave based on what they believe. So ultimately, in order to change what you're getting, you got to change what you're doing. In order to change what you're doing, you have to change what you believe. In, the order to, in order to change what you believe, you have to seek new information to either agree with or disagree with. But it, a lot of people, they don't read books. They're not in yeah. courses. They're not yeah. listening to podcasts like yours. They're just not seeking information. You know what? That's that was awesome. This is I have truly enjoyed this episode, and you know the way you wrapped it up before. I could hear, and I could I could actually hear the amount of training and books that you've read. I could hear Earl Nightingale. I could hear Jim Rohn. I could hear all those, you know, key legends that have built up so many successful people, Brad. So that was awesome. That's an incredible way to wrap up the episode. So, mate, before we wrap up, where can our our listeners um, connect and find? find you? Well, on social media, I'm mainly on Instagram. I answer all my own DMs. So you can find me on Instagram, just at the real Brad Lee. That's L-E-A. And then, you know, there's a million other places you can find me, but it's easier just to Google Brad Lee, L-E-A. <laughs> awesome. You'll well, find me. Yeah. Well, Brad, I am, again, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for the contribution that you make to to our sales community, man, because you've 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 had the uh, a positive impact on thousands upon thousands, and I'm one of those people that you know have have benefited from your content. So I appreciate you, man. I thank you for coming on the show, and I look forward to having you on again. Man, my pleasure. Thanks, Luigi.